Hello and welcome to 10 Minutes on a Hopeful Manifesto for the Environment, a podcast from the Joint Public Issues team. My name is Hazel Lee and I'm one of the JPIT interns and joining me today is Hannah Fremont-Brown, who is JPIT's Campaigns and Church Engagement Officer. Hi Hannah. Hi Hazel. In anticipation of the next UK general election, political parties are planning their pledges for election manifestos. The Joint Public Issues team has been thinking about what pledges we'd like to see. This is the fourth of six special 10 minutes on podcasts, offering our thoughts on what would make manifestos truly hopeful based around JPIT's six hopes for society. We hope to inspire you to think about what your hopes for party manifestos might be, and perhaps you can write to your MP or a political party to suggest them. So with that in mind, we'll start by thinking about why one of our six hopes is for a planet where our environment is renewed. So why, Hannah, should Christians want to see a planet where our environment is renewed? And what does that really mean? Why should we care? As people of Christian faith um, care for creation and our relationship with creation is such a fundamental part of who we are as human beings and how we relate to God. I think right back to the start of the Bible, think about that Genesis creation story. There's almost three three people in or three entities in the relationship to creation. There's God, there's humanity and there's creation and how we relate to the earth and the land on which and alongside which we live is a, a theme that runs right through the Bible, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And so much of the message we hear about renewal and new life in the Bible is is about our life as human beings, but also about the life of the earth and the creation that we live alongside. So I think it's really fundamental for us that as we look to to see a society where people can flourish we also think about a society where the planet can flourish and to think about what justice means in terms of that mutual flourishing i think for today's society the climate crisis has so much to do with that and it, that is the lens through which we view all of this that we are on track to rising global temperatures that risk the flourishing of planet and of people and it's really important as christians we bring together our biblical calling to live alongside creation with that um, that really stark calling to respond to the climate crisis as well. Mm, absolutely, it's tying together that that really broad biblical story and mandate of caring for the environment and seeing the renewal, but also that really real personal story for each of us in this moment and the time that we're living in, a really important place to be thinking about our hope. So based on that idea of where a planet where our environment is renewed, Hannah, you've come up with three kind of pertinent hopes for party manifestos. If we go through those um, now, I wonder if we could briefly kind of chat about why those are important issues and why those are things you'd want to see. Um, so I'll just read those first and then we'll chat a bit more. So number one, ensure all new built houses are built to net zero standards by 2028 and fund the retrofitting of all public sector housing to increase energy efficiency. Number two, to decarbonise the UK's electricity generation by 2035, ensuring at least 90% comes from renewable sources. And number three, to support implementation of a climate-related loss and damage facility with a commitment to UK financial support and proposals for international financing mechanisms. Wow, lots of big words at the end there. Um, brilliant, Hannah. I wonder if we could just chat about the first two. I feel like they kind of tie together quite nicely. Why are those particular issues, the, the new build houses built to net zero standards and um, decarbonising electricity generation such important issues? The thread that kind of runs through all three of these is our response to the climate crisis. And the first two are particularly linked to our domestic goals to reach net zero in the UK. The current government have adopted a plan to reach net zero by 2050. That framework is there. The practical mechanisms to reach that goal 
are somewhat lacking. And again and again, bodies like the CCC who review um, the government's progress are saying that actually they're falling behind on implementation. So these first two manifesto suggestions are pushing the government to make tangible, practical uh, policy implementation um, to, to get us further along the line towards net zero. Um, we've particularly tried to frame them so that an incoming government um, after a general election would need to take action pretty swiftly, almost straight away, um, after they come into come into government in order to um, to make these practical. So if they pledge to them in their manifestos, what we're really holding them accountable to is, is action as soon as they get into office. So that first one uh, around housing um is really, really key, particularly because it intersects with cost of living issues as well. We've as energy bills have, have skyrocketed. We've been thinking about the energy efficiency of homes. Um, but it's actually a really tangible policy area where um, new build legislation and public sector property um, rules and policy um, can really come into a, a tangible effect to make a big difference towards net zero and energy efficiency. The second one, um, around electricity generation with at least 90% of electricity generated by renewable sources by 2035 is paralleling um, a goal set out by people like the National Grid and also um, the Climate Change Committee, the CCC, to work towards electricity generation as majority renewable by 2035. Our standard of 90% renewable is a bit more ambitious than the CCC and the National Grid, but we think that's important because it's important as that aspiration as well as as that practical stuff. If we can go further, why not? So that's a really practical call that others who work in the industry, such as the National Grid, are already making in order for us to meet those targets. So actually, if we're going to reach net zero by 2050, that one's got to be seen as a non-negotiable and we need uh, an incoming government who take that seriously through their policy. As you were talking there, Hannah, I was reflecting on the fact that maybe the other suggestions for manifestos haven't necessarily had dates on yet. And that kind of reflects the immediacy, I guess, of the climate crisis and the need to, I mean, we should have been acting far more than we have already, but the imperative really to act as soon as possible to make these changes. And then if we just go to the third suggestion of the implementation of a loss and damage facility, I'm sure we've all we've all heard stories about loss and damage recently. Um, I wondered if you could just tell us a bit more about that. Loss and damage has been a key issue that's been coming up around the climate crisis, particularly in the COP conferences, environmental COP26 that we had here in the UK. And since then, COP27 has happened. And at that meeting was agreed an international mechanism or a, 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 the pursuit of an international mechanism um, to come up with funding for loss and damage, which is considered to be the financial and cultural and social impact of damage and loss created by climate-related events. So things that can't be mitigated against, can't be adapted against uh, damage that's already happened and that's not going to change in the funding that communities need to to rebuild um, and to move forward from that and the compensation often that they need for the impact of those events. So at COP27, it was decided that we needed a mechanism to deliver this funding. We need to actually work out what that looks like. And this um, pledge is requesting that the UK government becomes a major player in working out what that mechanism might look like in implementing it also thinking carefully about how we contribute to that financially. We often have a really key principle when we talk about loss and damage, which is the polluter pays principle. So actually yeah. the people who are going to benefit from a loss and damage fund are often people in the global south, people in um, countries who haven't contributed most to the climate crisis, who haven't benefited from the burning of fossil fuels over hundreds of years. But the UK is a country that have benefited and a lot of our economy has pinned on that. So how can we ensure that we are 
paying into support for those who are most impacted by actions that we've taken. So it's a really important piece of work and Christian Aid have been doing some really thought leading work around this. They've just released a new report on what does funding a climate related loss and damage um, mechanism look like. So yeah, that's that's a really key one on there that helps us just to zoom out a little bit more the UK's adaptation mm-hmm. into that bigger picture around the effects of the climate crisis. Now, I'm sure there's people who've been listening to this who are already passionate about the environment already, or maybe there are some who uh, have been more intrigued by what you've been saying, Hannah. Um, I'm just wondering, kind of specifically for those people, where are the places they can go to find out more or to to get involved? Particularly on those first two priorities, or thinking about our domestic impact, um, two of the places you might want to go and get involved are with JPIT's own Net Zero and My Neighbourhood Network. So we have a, a network that gathers online of people who are interested in getting involved with, with activism, particularly around their local neighbourhood. Um, so you could get involved with that or you could get involved with a great charity called Hope for the Future. Um, he provides some, some really strong and practical support for people looking to engage their political representatives around these issues. And then, like I say, on the loss and damage work, Christian Aid are really the leading voice there. So I'm um, getting stuck into the work that Chris and Aid are doing around loss and damage and reading their reports and taking their campaign actions would be a great step. Thanks so much, Hannah. And thank you, everyone else, for listening to this episode of 10 Minutes On. I'll be back next week with another guest to chat more about JPIT's suggestions for hopeful political party manifestos. For more from the Joint Public Issues team, you can go to our website at jpit.uk, jpit.uk. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share it around. Thanks for listening.